I'm Tim Kittrow, and you're tuned in to the Important Nonsense Podcast with Steve Bonham. Attention, Alan Hearn's mom. His knee is better. <laughs> you can stop worrying. Neil Smith. Even with the concussion, as long as he's cleared, probably don't have a better option. Jack Kavanaugh. Raheem Mostair, as I would like to call him. And Jason Draven. Nah, man. Just let's watch some football. Boom shakalaka. All right, welcome in, everybody. It's the Important Nonsense Podcast. I am your host, Steve Bonham. You can find me on Twitter at Nonsense underscore Steve. My co-host, Mr. Neil Smith at Nonsense underscore Neil. Neil, how you doing this evening? Doing good, doing good. Boy, Twitter is a depressing place as people continue to opt out. I will say that. That's, that's the, that is the topic du jour of the day. Du jour, Just, indeed. Oh, my hell, man. Man, so uh, we're not going to talk in length about the opt-outs and the COVID craziness. Like the NFL, we're just going to pretend like it doesn't exist and just push right ahead. So uh, we are going to move on to the NFC North. Into the NFC, Neil. We're over halfway there. Of course, all our advice, rankings, and data are based on a typical 12-team PPR league. Ten starters, a QB. Two running back, three wide receiver, tight end, flex, defense, kicker, and six bench. Expert consensus is from the Fantasy Pros and ADP from our guys at Fantasy Football Calculator. Kicking us off, Neil. Go Bears! The hometown, Chicago Bears. They shuffled some pieces on defense, but mostly status quo. They lost a couple veterans, brought in a couple young guys. Yeah, yeah. This is usually the point in the show, folks, where I remind everyone, see, the AFC South is usually historically our most contentious show with the most differences. (laughs) Usually arguments break out. The NFC North, and it's appropriate that we're starting with this, and it's appropriate given the news at the current time, is the saltiest show of the year. Because full disclosure, Steve and I are both bitter, bitter Bears fans who grew up in Chicago. And we do not have the nicest thing to say about the Chicago Bears, typically. And so, yeah, meh, I'd say, is really the theme of the offseason. And I'd say meh to bleh with the signing of Jimmy Graham, as we're going to go into. Offensively, their biggest move was trading for Nick Foles from Jacksonville. He will compete with Mitchell Trubisky for the starting QB job. All indications, though, seem to be they're going to give Trubisky the job for whatever reason. We'll see how that actually plays out. They signed Jimmy Graham in free agency, and in a classic Ryan Pace move, they then drafted Cole Komet with their first pick of the draft to eventually replace him. That's so Pace. Hashtag that's so Pace. Uh, Then they lost our guy Taylor Gabriel. Sad times. Free agency. Replaced him with Ted Ginn, though. Ooh, Ooh. yeah, you got that going for you. You want to talk about meh? Bring on (laughs) Ted Ginn. (laughs) so the bears quarterback controversy as we talked about uh you got mitchell trubisky qb 34 in the expert consensus nick Foles qb 32 we're along those same lines basically two spots apart uh on the qbs in the the backfield for the bears there i don't think there's much to talk about from a fantasy perspective i believe everyone eventually thinks nick Foles will take this job though I think that would be the majority consensus opinion. And I'd say, frankly, don't really need to discuss it too much for fantasy purposes because these are just names for the waiver wire for you when we get into the doldrums of the buys. Maybe, possibly. We'll see if there's a clear, clear-cut clear winner and if that winner is something you'd actually want to play fantasy-wise when we get there. Well, I mean, as the quarterback, you know, the leader of the offense, it does slightly make a difference. That's, that's temporarily skip past 
the running backs, if you will. Uh, Allen Robinson, wide receiver seven in the consensus, wide receiver seven on our site. I've got him at eight. Wow, I hate Allen Robinson. I'm so sure sorry, do. Allen. Uh, you've got him at seven. ADP 11. What is wrong with no. you people? The public hates Allen uh, Robinson more than you yes, do. Yes, they clearly do. Um, but no, I mean, Allen Robinson is a legit talent. Anthony Miller, we're in that same ballpark. He basically becomes that Taylor Gabriel role that we were in love with for so long, right? Because now Ted Ginn is going to be the guy on the outside running the deep shots. Whereas I think Anthony Miller plays a lot more of the slot that Taylor Gabriel was thriving in. So he has an opportunity to get those dip and dunk targets, but we're all in that same area. And then Jimmy Graham is just crap at this point in his career. I mean, (laughs) at what point, I'm sorry. At what point do we say that Jimmy Graham and Drew Brees together magic, but otherwise (laughs) Drew Brees and a tight end doesn't matter. Jimmy Graham in any other offense doesn't matter. At what point do we finally make that distinction as an industry? Well, I was hoping it'd be this year, but yet he's still on the page. Now, I will say tight end 31, which in tight end terms is functionally off the page. And America, not even a two tight end league. America agrees, by the way, because he is going undrafted as he should be. There is yep. no reason to roster Jimmy Graham, particularly in redraft, which is what this is about. There's no reason for that. And maybe if some cacophony of errors was to happen, maybe you could look at him on the waiver wire on the buy. But I'd say if you're, you know, flirting with playing Jimmy Graham in any given week, I don't like your chances. Yeah. And then Cole Komet, we've talked for years about rookie tight ends. You don't trust rookie tight ends. It just doesn't work. So again, like th- the argument you could make going all the way back to quarterback for Trubisky for Foles. The, the only thing you could say is, Oh, well, depending on which one gets more playing time, it could be better. But honestly, Allen Robinson was a borderline top five wide receiver last year with Trubisky when it was a dumpster fire offense. So if he's got Foles at quarterback, it gets even better. But even if Trubisky is in there, I still love Allen Robinson as a top 10 guy. What has Allen Robinson ever had good quarterback play? I'll wait. Never. I'll wait for it. So it's, it, I can understand wanting to be a little, you know, timid around it because you don't know who's going to be throwing him the ball and you don't know how effective they're going to be. But folks, he was, he was in Jacksonville playing with Blake Bortles. We've talked about this every year. It feels like, can you imagine what Allen Robinson would look like on a good team with like a good quarterback? Oh. Did you imagine that? He'd be a top five wide receiver. It'd be, it'd be like, lock it in. Like, th- this is what I don't understand. He's never had good quarterback play, and he's produced year after year after year. In 2015, in Jacksonville, with Blake freaking Bortles as his quarterback, he put up 1,400 yards. He put up 1,150 last year with Mitch Trubisky throwing ducks who can't throw to his left. Like, Nick Foles is going to – I'm not a fan, but – it can't, how much worse could it realistically be? And then wouldn't they just go to Trubisky anyway? So beyond right. beyond that, what are you what are you realistically worrying about here? I don't understand the hate other than that one time in 2017 when he got injured. I could see that maybe weighing weighing in so lots guess. of people. But even then, I that guess, was an ACL, but, which is more of a freak injury than a recurring thing. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, I, I know he only played 13 games in 2018 as well, but at the same time, I mean. 
Yeah, I mean, look, my greater point was my greater point was normally when we talk about these quarterback controversies, like we talked about with Tua and Fitzpatrick, right, with the Dolphins, you know, uh, Herbert and Tyrod Taylor with the Chargers. At some point, there's going to be a QB change. How does that affect the personnel? How does that affect the fantasy options? Well, when you're looking at the Bears, the pass receiving options are Allen Robinson, and that's the end of the page. So really, if he's a top 10 guy, no matter who the quarterback is, I don't really care. From a fantasy perspective, I'm not going to own any of the quarterbacks in Chicago, and no matter who's starting at quarterback, I know Allen Robinson will be force-fed the ball. So. I feel like that's all there is to say. So now let's talk about the running backs. That's let's go back to the running back. I'm doing this all out of order. I don't care. Yeah, it's fine. I'm, I'm doing it in the parts I like. I'm skipping your- past all the ugly, going straight to Allen Robinson. If you can follow the three lines of logic, it makes sense. Like, and then I will briefly good. talk here about David Montgomery. That's fine. Neil, remember last year no. when I said that David Montgomery going in the top 20 was ridiculous? Remember that? <laughs> Simpler times, people, Steve. People are like, time. oh. What are you talking about? David Montgomery's the truth. He's the next coming. <laughs> CEH. And then now David Montgomery suddenly has a down year. And look at, remember what happened? He got force fed the ball. It's not like David Montgomery suffered from a lack of volume last season. <laughs> like he had so many touches well, and so many opportunities. He just wasn't efficient behind that Bears line. The Montgomery truthers out there would tell you that he didn't get enough because he didn't get 100%. That seems to be the Twitter group thing that I engage in where it's like, but they still continue to give Tariq Cohen the ball. And it's like, I, I know he's still on the team. I, I don't know what you want from me here. <laughs> like the, they're going to keep doing that until he's gone. Like, played make- the full season. He had... Uh, a 16 game year, 242 carries. Yep, there you go. I was just going to say it's 242 for 3.7 carries with six touchdowns. I mean, I, I, he, he did. He had 889 yards. I was going to say he didn't even crack a thousand on 242. Almost 242 it's, carries. Yeah. You, you're not going to get much better than that. I mean, the 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 amount of touches he would have to get to be in the ballpark of some of these other guys. Like Nick Chubb had almost 300. Zeke had 301. Uh, Christian McCaffrey had 287. You're talking about 40 extra carries is what he would need to have elite level. We're not talking about RB2 anymore. We're talking about elite level carries. And even with those extra carries, he's not going to be decent enough to put you in a position where you're like, Oh, slam dunk. I'm starting David Montgomery every single week. I loves it. (laughs) Running back 24 in the expert consensus, 23 on the site. I've got him at 21. I love him compared to everybody else. Apparently you've got him at 23. He's going RB 24 in ADP in the fourth round. David Montgomery is one of those guys where look, there's for me, he's a young guy who could certainly turn it around. The thing was, you, you see, he gets the volume, but he just wasn't efficient with it. If he turns the efficiency around, if he takes that second year leap instead of the sophomore, sophomore slump, like we talk about with Jack all the time, <laughs> if he takes the second year jump, then all of a sudden, maybe he has top 20 potential 
which is why I've got him at RB 21. Like he's going to be the feature back and he's going to be the goal line guy. Cause nobody's going to compete with him. But I just don't know if this offense is going to be efficient enough for him to get there. And then there's Tariq Cohen. Right. And then, so to that point about Tariq Cohen, you're going to have to do better than 3.7 yards per attempt. If you're Montgomery, right on 242 granted. Yeah. That's why he's still in the upper twenties though, for both of us, because he only really started eight games. He's a rookie. You get. I don't want to throw the entire baby out with the bathwater here. So it's it's one of those deals. But what really hurts him, in my mind, even more than well, as much as the efficiency. Let's say twenty five receptions on thirty five targets, and then now we can talk about Tariq. <laughs> that's that's yeah. your problem right there. That's well, how like you, I said, that's- like my biggest indicator when we're doing all of our projections in the preseason uh, for actual efficiency and production from a running back. Yards per attempt, again, to me, means nothing. Sure, because it's more of a line statistic. Yeah, because yards before contact is all about the offensive line, how well they're blocking. Which is so the one that matters to me is yards after contact. So yards before contact last year, David Montgomery, uh, two yards before contact from the Bears' offensive line. And as I've uh, said in the past, just as a refresher, the league average was 2.2 yards before and 2.2 yards after for every running back in the league. So 4.4 yards per attempt was the league average. And David Montgomery had two yards before contact on all of his rush attempts on average. So right around league average, a little bit below, but right around it. The problem is yards after contact were 1.6. We saw a few plays, especially in the preseason and flashes throughout the year, right? When he would just stay on his feet, he'd make a quick move here or there, and you'd be like, whoa, if he could just do that consistently, <laughs> yeah, man, he could be something special. The problem well, is he can't so do it consistently. That was what was so frustrating about watching it, because it's like, well, just do that every time. Just do that, where you do like a spin move, and you just break the guy's yeah. ankles and take off the other direction. But he can only seem to do it so often throughout the game. So that's And also, too, it can't be under and undersold. Tariq Cohen not dead yet, and we'll get into the public's opinion on this. But this this, this is this is why for me it's until the, until Tariq Cohen is no longer there. I don't think David Montgomery anybody could be arguing for him to kind of take too much of an ascension because right. he's still sharing that. Tariq job. Cohen is the third down back. He is the pass cat, like he's the third down back, and he's in on the passing downs. So Tariq Cohen is in on roughly thirty five percent of the bears plays, uh, you know, like from a snap total perspective, he's RB 31 in the expert consensus, 32 on our site. I've got him 27. You've got him RB 29 public taking him RB 40 ninth pick of the eighth round. Uh, they're hating on Tariq Cohen, but to your point, I mean, until Tariq Cohen goes away, David Montgomery, isn't going to ascend anywhere. And the check down back in Chicago historically has done well. Yes, it's it's well, if your quarterback is Mitchell Trubisky or Nick Foles, you're going to need somebody who can catch passes out of the backfield. Neither one of these guys is going to have and especially with the line play that they've enjoyed. I'm assuming that's not going to get too much better given the offseason that they've kind of put together because we didn't list them here, but they had about nine tight ends. They had to work their way off the roster at one point. So 
That's that's well, kind of the big part thing on the well. offensive line was Kyle Long retired and they replaced yes. him with two rookies. So with two rookies, exactly. So I, that's the yeah. the O line's going to be another work in progress. So I don't think that either Trubisky or Foles is going to have a whole lot of time to stand in the pocket and get through their reads. I think there's going to be a lot of dump offs to Tariq Cohen, and as we've seen, Tariq Cohen when he gets the volume on the dump offs, he'll make you pay at some point. That's historically what it is. They're not all winners, but enough of them are. Yeah, I just miss a simpler time when Matt Forte just had the whole job to himself. Yeah, I do miss that, too. No, 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 it's both of us. I miss that, too. (laughs) Simpler time. You didn't have to do rank two players and figure out splits. You just give it all to Matt Forte. Yeah, it was much easier is better that way. Yeah, job done. Uh, So that's it for skill position players. Don't you dare talk to me about Corderell Patterson. So let's move on to the Bears' defense. You'll You'll be sorry when he's playing running back in week six. When he's still leading the team in carries, yeah. He'll be sorry. Uh, Bears defense, six and expert consensus, seven on our site. I've got them at 11. You've got them at five. They're going six in the 11th round in ADP. Stop it, people. Yeah, don't Stop do that. It. Uh, that's wrong. Uh, for, again, for me, I have them down a little bit because you've got the Packers they're dealing with. You've got... The Vikings, who it looks like they're going to be a lot of shootouts in this division. Like the defenses seem to have all gotten worse. I feel like there's going to be a lot of <laughs> yeah, that is a lot hard. of high scoring games here. Um, but no, the the Bears lost a couple key pieces on, in the secondary and up front. They're relying on some younger players to get more involved and integrated. So yeah, I'm I'm skeptical to say the least. We saw them; they were not great without Vic Fangio last year. And uh, the injuries. And now, of course, they had Eddie Goldman, who just announced he's going to sit out the season. So, yeah, and that's another that's piece that they have lost. Yeah. Either way, don't reach on them. Stop it. Yeah, never. That, that's never. the real advice. Doesn't really I forget the rankings for a second. Like, just don't reach on the Bears defense. It's going to it's just going to kill you. It's a poison pill. You don't want it in the 11th round. That's insanity. Come on, people. Well, Neil, we got through that pretty painlessly, but I still need to go take a shower. So we will take yeah, a quick break. Yeah, I got to go lay down. I feel, I feel weak. Support for the Important Nonsense podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Hey guys, it's Steve. It's summertime. The temperature is turning up out there, and you know when the heat is turned up, your undercarriage needs to be cleaned up. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Their third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin-safe technology. Now, when I tell you this is premium, I mean it is premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes, so you can take a longer shave. Take your time. You don't want any accidents down there. And the water-resistant technology allows you to even groom in the shower. One of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates your grooming area for a closer, more precise trim. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. Let's not forget about the charging stand, people. You wanna show off that mower loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. Look, 
If you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience this firsthand for yourself. Just head over to manscaped.com and use promo code NONSENSE. That's N-O-N-S-E-N-S-E. You'll get 20% off plus free shipping. One more time, that code is NONSENSE at manscaped.com to get your 20% off and free shipping today. All right, Neil, let's go to Motor City. We're going to talk some... We have to. Detroit Lions. Some some Patricia's pals. One more year. For one more year. For one well, more half year. a season at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's uh, Eight they games. traded corner Darius Slay to the Eagles for a bag of hot peanuts. Well, lukewarm peanuts. Boy, uh, if, that, if, if people weren't focused, so focused on destroying Bill O'Brien, <laughs> that would have lit the internet on fire. But, they also lost Snacks Harrison, which, which may even be a bigger blow to the defense. It's like, so, Steve, they don't understand that he's their only run block. So it's they remember all this their, their <laughs> primary run sense. blocker and their top corner. That's a recipe for That's success. not good. On a bad and now they're relying on a bunch of young, unproven players from the draft yep. in a shortened offseason. Good luck. I'd like to briefly take you back to a simpler time, the beginning of the 2019 season, when Snacks Harrison wasn't on the roster. He was kind of holding out slash injured. And then the Lions were the, one of the worst three defenses in football <laughs> during that time and couldn't stop anybody on the ground until they had to bring Snacks Harrison back. And they just let him go in the offseason with no discernible backup plan. Maybe Matt Patricia's six games. Yeah, or how about Maybe what was it? Year, I think it was, it was two years ago, wasn't it? When they were like 30th. In yeah, the league and then they got Snacks Harrison, and they went halfway through the season, and then they got Snack Harrison from uh, the Giants for nothing, yep. and all of a sudden they were top five yeah. for the second half yeah, he of the was, year. He was out there doing all the run blocking for or the, all the run stuffing. I mean, for the entire. No, no, we don't need. We don't need that. No, we don't need that. Nah, nah, nah. Get out of here. Uh, see this pencil in my ear it means I know what I'm doing. But you know what? They got back. They got back their man. They got back the franchise quarterback. Matt Stafford, and he was lighting it on fire. Last year, he played uh, the first half of the season. He was QB5. He was Which crushing was, it. It was insane. Absolutely crushing it Andy last Galladay, year. Holiday just on a world-beater pace when they were together. Martin Jones. Oh, th- things were looking good for about five weeks there. Uh, they also drafted running back DeAndre Swift to split the load with the oft-injured guy. Carry on Johnson, my boy. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. My boy, carry on. I'm so sorry. Still disrespecting your mans like that. But uh, let's start with Matt Stafford. So we talked about it. He he was on a heater last year. He was a top five quarterback for the first six weeks of the season. And then he gets injured with the back injury. They shut him down for the rest of the year. And remember, at one point with Jeff Driscoll, it was start whoever the, the Lions quarterback is because <laughs> they're going to throw the ball so much that it doesn't matter. Well, their doesn't defense matter is also so bad. Or Jeff Driscoll that just, yep. just put him in. It's fine. Go ahead. Every, every Lions game was a shootout too, which was hysterical because that's the only way they were going to be in any game was just pushing the ball down the field because their defense couldn't stop anything. That was just every Lions game was a track meet up and down the field. Yeah, I got to tell you, Matt Stafford, unbelievable heater, but this is back-to-back back injuries for him, is it not? That, I mean, is, I don't know if that's it's what back-to-back. 2018 season. Back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back. Well, back 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 back. Something like that. 
to back yeah, to back. To back. Yeah. It's yeah. just a never ending yeah. cycle of back injuries for him, which is not good. And and no, it really isn't. Uh, it's 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 actually why I think he's so low, not just for me, but across the board, because you can't argue about the five games that he played where he looked like he was his old self again, and they were just going to sling it down the field, and it was actually going to be reasonably effective because they have pretty good weapons. But it, 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 even with Jeff Driscoll for a while there, they kept it going until Jeff Driscoll got hurt, who they also let go in a move that astounded me. <laughs> right. The team anymore. Now they have Chase Daniel. So it's just former uh, Bear is the backup. Yeah. Oh, former yep. Chief as well. And uh, and he, uh, it's just, it makes it hard to want to trust him to put him in the top ten. Even though I would argue that if you could guarantee me in any way that that you could get you could replicate any of that top five pace, I how could you argue against it? Right, he'd have to be at least at a minimum in the top ten. Sure, and that's what surprised but for me. Too, I had to like, put him. I got, I, so the expert consensus yeah. has him at twelve. Site has him thirteen. He's normally one of those guys like Rivers where we're higher than everybody else, but I've got him at 16, you've got him at 15, and the ADP is 13. So we're down on Matt Stafford compared to everybody else, which is kind of surprising to me. But yeah. again, to your point, I mean, it's it's just hard to trust it, and there's so many other guys out there right now that I feel like have higher ceilings and I can depend on more week in and week out. Yeah, and it's it's very it's very frustrating because it's it makes the Lions very hard to kind of wrangle and rank all the way down because you want to you want to rank them as if Stafford was going to play and so you kind of you kind of go that direction. But this is not one of those situations like we referenced before where I kind of don't care vis-a-vis the Bears who really plays. I kind of do care in this case because I've seen Chase Daniel play a lot of football, Steve, and I know you have too. Not great. No. <laughs> Hashtag not would, good. I don't know if he would crash. Yeah, I don't know if he would crash the car completely, but. He's going to throw a lot more picks, and that's coming. That's coming down from a guy in Stafford who's not shy about throwing some picks and taking some taking his shots when he feels like he wants to. So no, it's it's, it's this is an interesting one where I didn't think we would be low because historically we're not. To your point, but in this one, I don't know if I can go there with the experts and with uh, and with America. I think you're I think you're overpaying a little bit for the risk that you're about to take. You could get paid off. I get the theoretical ceiling is QB five, but I don't know. I can't I can't get there with you. I'm not that confident. Either way, I feel like it's an interesting flyer if he's still there for you in the back end. Do I want him as my starter every week? Sure. But I'm willing to take a shot on it. Uh, DeAndre Swift, Carrion Johnson, the running back situation. We've all kind of just decided that DeAndre Swift is going to take over that job. Expert consensus is RB29 for Swift, 40 for Carrion Johnson. The consensus on our site is 22 for Swift and 34 for Johnson. I'm 20. So are you on uh, DeAndre Swift. Johnson at 34 for me, 33 for you. ADP, though, 29 for DeAndre Swift and 45 for Carrion Johnson. So let's start with the vet, Carrion, being hated, hated by the consensus and the ADP. You're all wrong. Look, I get the 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 gripe against him is the injuries. I understand that that he's he's struggled in his entire career. He's never played more than eight games. I understand it. I absolutely get it. But I also understand that last year he was being touted, and I was pumping him up as a top twelve back. And if memory serves, and it does, because I have the information in front of me, he was a top twelve back before he got hurt. So on a per game basis, Carry On Johnson was crushing it last season, but. I mean, 
Now they bring in Swift. So I understand he's going to lose some of the job. But again, this is kind of what we're talking about. It's a shortened off season. You have all of these rookies who are going to take time to adjust with no preseason now. It's the the vets are going to have the job out of the gate. This is carry on Johnson's job to at least start the season. And if he gets hurt or starts to waver, absolutely. He is going to lose this job to DeAndre Swift. But I think you and I have talked about this a lot before. Carry on Johnson's biggest issue is he has struggled in the passing game. And, and that is what DeAndre Swift thrives in. DeAndre Swift has the skill set to be a full three down back, which is why at the end of this season, if they decide to let carry on Johnson go, it wouldn't surprise me. And then it's Swift's role, which is why I love Swift from a dynasty perspective. In redraft, I love him as well as a top 20 guy. But again, it's because we're talking about PPR. He's going to get the targets. He's going to be involved in that passing game. I don't know. I mean, carry on Johnson's going to have the the goal line work, which is what's going to give him some kind of value. He's at least going to be bi-week playable, you know, filling in for you, giving you running back depth. Got to be better than 45. Come on, people. Yeah, 45, you're a little far down the tree at that point in terms of, and you're, you're talking about, you know, the ninth round at that point. You're picking up handcuffs and backups anyway. So no, no, no. He's going to be a little bit more than just the backup. He's going to be in more of a timeshare type of platoon type of thing. The problem is DeAndre Swift, as we've pointed out, is going to get the better end of that platoon for PPR purposes. Because remember Theo Riddick? Remember we used to have to talk about Theo Riddick being, this is, he's yeah. going to have that job effectively, except he's infinitely better than Theo Riddick. So it's one of so he's going to get some of the he's going to get some run in the middle of the field in a way that Theo Reddick never never did. He was just there strictly to catch passes. Swift's going to do that, and he's going to eat into some of the between the tackles work for carrying on Johnson because you got to mix it up a little bit. But it's also just when they go hurry up is the biggest split for me in terms of Swift. And as we know, who likes the hurry up more than the Lions? I mean, come on, look at how many passes they're going to throw. They're going to be they're going to be chucking the ball at their normal clip and they're going to be in hurry up all the time. And when they go to that type of look, they're going to need their pass catcher on the field. So my only concern about Swift is issue, is if he develops issues in pass pro. If you really want to worry about something for DeAndre Swift, it would be that. However, it wasn't really an issue for him in college and he excels at catching the football. So that that is why I have him ranked the way that I do. That's the biggest decision well, I mean, for me. One of the one of the key things you can do if you want to evaluate, you know, players, teams, tendencies is watch film. If you want to save yourself some time and you don't want to watch the last 10 years of Lions game film, let me help you out. Here's here's the clip notes. All right. Spoiler, you don't spoiler, want to go watch spoiler, the last yeah. 10 years of Lions. Here's game the clip film. notes. So, hold, so uh first opening drive, 80 yards all the way down the field, dominant touchdown. It looks so easy. Crisp, clean, everything's clicking. Great. Three and out, like 10 punts in a row. Fourth quarter, they're down three scores. And then they decide, oh man, maybe we should do something. And then it's nonstop hurry up. And all of a sudden, with two minutes left, they're within a field goal. And they're scrambling (laughs) to try and get back in the game and win it in the last second. And then, oh, interception. Or ah, or or turnover on downs, or miss field goal. That so there you go. There's ten years of Lions film wrapped up. You are well. Pretty accurate synopsis right there. I'm not gonna lie to you. I have actually watched the last like ten years of Lions games, and that's how I know from experience. Don't don't do it. It's terrible. You don't you don't want that in your life. Uh, you don't need the the nightmares. But what what I would say is that's 
that's incredibly that's incredibly spot on, and it is why DeAndre Swift is going to have the better end of this platoon here. And well, it's also frankly, the nightmare of owning Lions players in fantasy, right? It's like, oh my god, right. it's the fourth quarter. How does he only have a three? And then you walk away, you grab a beer, use the bathroom, come back, and all of a sudden he's got a 24. It's like, whoa, yep. what happened? And then you're rewinding the DVR, figure out how to like fix your stream. Like, what happened? What happened? What did I do? Or, or, or you get so jaded, kind of like how I am at certain points where it's like, you just kind of expect it. To where it's like, no, he's got three points, but the fourth quarter starting. Don't worry. This is, it's magic time. Because <laughs> it happens so often. Here's where it's coming. <laughs> Like, this has been a disaster all day. Here we go. Three touchdowns on the next three possessions, and they're somehow going to go ahead and try and make this a one-score game before the end of the day. And then they lose. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, they lose, but they put up, like, what? Two touchdowns and a field goal? Yeah, and exactly. lose by a field. It's something fourth, like that. Yeah, yeah uh-huh. it's something like that. Yeah, that's typically what that is. It's, uh, it's so predictable, you can almost set your watch by it. But, I mean, yes, to, the, to your point, the Theo Riddick role... DeAndre Swift in the hurry up will have a lot of value from a PPR perspective. They still haven't really done anything for the underneath guy, the check down guy to replace Golden Tate. I know you love you some Danny Amendola, but still, this is not, it, it's not as valuable as what they were getting out of Tate for all those years. Let's go to the wide no, receivers. Much different player. <laughs> the respective got, ages they are. Kenny too. Galladay, uh, on the outside, the other side, Dan or uh, Marvin Jones Jr., the much hated Marvin for no reason. Marvin Jones. Jr. This is the most insulting thing of of all of these shows so far. And this Danny is where I'm on the slot. You've offended. also got rookie Quintez Cephas, and they signed Geronimo Allison from the Packers for some reason. Who knows? Somebody's got to carry the Gatorade bottle onto the field. Uh, so somebody's got to drop wide open passes to hit him yeah. in the hands. I think there, there's not a lot to talk about with Galladay. You know, great talent. Um, we, we hyped him up last year. He's wide receiver eight in consensus and in, on our site. I've got him ten. You've got him nine. He's going seven in ADP. I mean, I feel like we're all right there. I feel like there's not much to talk about. Mar- no, there Marvin isn't. Jones Kenny is, Galladay is, is the topic, though. Kenny Galladay is a stud, as we know. That's that's really it. Marvin Jones oh, going wide receiver 34 in expert consensus. So that's back end wide receiver three. That in itself is egregious. He is going wide receiver 38 in the ADP. Tanking him in flex territory. <laughs> what is happening? Marvin I got to get Jones, some of these. I got to get some of these leagues, man. Marvin this Jones <laughs> last year in every game that he played on a per game basis was a top 20 wide receiver. And he was borderline top 10 when he was playing with Galladay and Stafford on the field. They, again, they were chucking that ball around like crazy. So I just, I do not get it at all. It doesn't make any sense. He's wide receiver 30 on our site. You and I both have him ranked wide receiver 24. So the very end of wide receiver two not wide receiver three territory. I mean, this is ridiculous. It's completely absurd. I think what people get twisted up on with Marvin Jones is the injuries because there have been a few, as we know. He only played uh, like 13 games last year. He played nine the year before that. But the year before that, and these are not fluke injuries, folks. It's not like soft tissue stuff. They're 
they're like serious material injuries. He played the year before that in Detroit. He played all 16 games. He had 1,100 yards in a year in 2017 when the Lions were atrocious. So it it doesn't make any sense to me that that they're going to rank him there other than people are just scared off by the injuries and they're just following what the experts tell them. And I, that's the part that I find the most vexing. What is happening there with him being listed at 34? And also, if you want a full, insanely detailed deep dive on Marvin Jones, uh, check out the Important Nonsense player profile on Marvin Jones written by our own Aiden Ware. Because that right there will give you the full the full boat analysis, which we don't even have time to get to for the purposes of today's show in terms of taking you all the way down the rabbit hole. But what is this disrespect, Steve, you think, coming from the industry? I mean, yeah, by the way, Aiden's article, great stuff. But why, like, like I said, wide receiver 24. And again, just to, to put, <laughs> put a bow on it, right? Just to give you the perspective, you and I not only both have him 24, but we both have him ranked overall player 50. Overall, player yes, 50. 50 overall. That is the second pick of the fifth round. And in ADP, he's going with the first pick of round nine. What? You're telling me I can have Marvin Jones in the eighth round and I would be quote unquote reaching? I will, I will own so much Marvin Jones. You people don't even know. How much Marvin Jones I'm going to own. This is amazing. Thank you. Thank you for being so wrong. I truly appreciate it. It helps me out so much. It's fantastic. <laughs> uh, the only other one it's, is uh, Danny Amendola in the slot. Yeah. But I mean, I, I don't know how much time we want to spend on that. ADP is Very unranked. Little. Your highest on him at 69. But I've got nice. him at 70, 76 for the site, 80 for expert consensus. It's a dart throw. It is a dart throw. And it's because somebody has to take over that underneath route that you referenced before. Yeah. And my money with the ranking is, is that it is Danny Amendola. He'd be ranked higher if I wasn't convinced that, and I'm sorry, Danny, but this has been your whole career, that he wasn't going to get hurt at some point and have to miss time. And that's actually why I chose to rank the only one of us to rank Quintez Cephas. And wide receiver 111 because that is the heir apparent to the Danny Amendola role. They they want they want Quintez to hopefully come in and take that over. The other candidate to try and take over some of that underneath role, you know, is actually TJ Hawkinson. Yeah, TJ Hawkinson going into his second year. Uh tight end 14 in the expert consensus, 17 on our site, 17 for me, 15 for you and 14 in ADP. ADP terms that is the ninth pick of the 12th round ultimate dart throw uh however he is a standard deviation of 18.7 so round and a half which would mean he's going as high as like the middle of the 10th and as low as the middle of the 14th so there you go there you go he's all over the place back there depends on your league and i think it just depends on too how much stock you put into those two games you put up last year where he looked electric but it's rookie tight end and we as you know you can't count on it so can he take that second year jump that Jack is always talking about. That's, right. that's, that's kind of how I think that that's going to play out. Yeah. I mean, for me, the, the biggest question is the role on the team, not his talent, but we've seen over the years, right? Lions tight end, whether it was <laughs> Eric Ebron. I was just going to say it's everybody's favorite Eric Ebron, whether it was Hawkinson last year, and I mean, can you name the last 
Lions tight end that was fantasy relevant? Brandon Pettigrew. Was who yes, Brandon Pettigrew. Perfect. And he scored yeah. all those touchdowns, but didn't all he do was score touchdowns? Seven, seven, he had 300 receptions for, we'll call it, we'll round him up slightly. 93 games, 300 receptions, 3,000 yards, 17 touchdowns. He played from 2009 to 2015. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty sad. Now, that, like that's he had 300 receptions for 3,000 yards. So he was, he literally averaged 10 yards a reception. So I guarantee you that that's not how he got it. Yeah. <laughs> like it wasn't 10 yard yeah, hits down the saying. field. It's just the, the, 17 ro- it's scores. the role of tight end on Detroit has never been fantasy relevant. So yes, by the way, 17 is like far and away the leader too. Yeah. Brandon Pettigrew with 17 is decimating. Great talent. Probably one of the better, if not best tight end talents they've ever had. And yet do I trust it? I I can't. Well, that's not how he ends up at 17. You know? Yeah. We don't trust that. Like we trust Marvin Jones as being undervalued and it's a crime. (laughs) Right. We don't trust it like that. Like you guys are crazy. Why do people hate Marvin Jones, Steve? You can go back to Cincinnati. They just, Remember like a million years ago, it feels like it was like five years ago. We had to do that whole piece about why does more people hate Marvin Jones on Cincinnati? All he does is produce <laughs> people hate him. And it's like, that is his the career arc of Marvin Jones is all he does is produce. And people are like, no, nah, he's not good at football. Baffling. Baffling. Yeah. People don't learn. And then the Lions defense is terrible. Despite Matt. Oh, yeah. nah, 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 nah. He'll be fine. Me. Maybe it's going to be good. Maybe it's don't me. worry about it. He'll don't figure worry it out. about it. Uh, let's move on. Facial on the floor, total facial. Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay Packers. Uh, defense remained largely the same, which translates to a team that you definitely want to start your running backs and tight ends against. Those linebackers were weak last year. Top 10 in points allowed for both tight ends and running backs. So must starts against the Packers yet again. Oddly enough, offense also remained basically the same. Uh, their top pick in the draft was Aaron Rodgers' heir apparent, quarterback Gordon Love. They followed that up by getting Aaron Jones' heir apparent, running back A.J. Dillon. So there you go. Don't need any wide receivers. Nah, Don't need them. Don't need them. Clearly wide receiver heading into the offseason. Not only did they not address that in the deepest wide receiver draft class in years, but they uh, only signed Devin Funches in free agency who opted out of the season this week. So there you go. <laughs> the that. one move that they did is, uh, is now nullified. So there you go. It is the same offense last year. Plus they add AJ Dillon and they lost Geronimo Allison. What a loss. What, what a loss. A loss. What a loss. So that's always good Rogers. too when you let, Real quick, always good too when you when you have so little confidence in a guy that you let him walk to and like an in, he gets goes into like the inside division. the yeah. mm-hmm. like you're like meh, don't care, like always a ringing endorsement. Aaron Rodgers QB thirteen in the consensus for some reason. What what year is it? Uh, QB sixteen. Is it two thousand nine? You know, wow. Our site consensus <laughs> QB eighteen for me, seventeen for you. QB nine in the ADP. What year is it? I it's two thousand and seven. My God, <laughs> we're going backwards in time. There was a stat I saw yesterday that it was over their last like 11 games head to head. The numbers were basically identical for yards, completion percentage between Aaron Rodgers and Josh Allen. 
and the tagline was, why isn't Josh Allen getting more respect? And I said, I think what you meant to say is, why isn't Aaron Rodgers getting disrespected more? Like, what is that? Oh, oh. yeah, that's that's as we've gone into at length on these on these run up to the season shows. Mm-hmm. Josh Allen, not good, not good. Not not somebody I want to be getting compared to, especially in terms of accuracy, especially when I'm Aaron Rodgers and I have a rep. Well, it's also just, just particularly for Rodgers, much more accurate <laughs> type of thing. You know what I mean? Like it's it's a uh, it's a very different thing watching Aaron Rodgers play football versus watching Josh Allen play football. Because at least with Rodgers, it's not as accurate as it used to be. But he still finds that magic every once in a while, which is how he's managed to cling on at 17 for me. He'll He'll still try and win you one or two games a year. But nine? Nine QB nine in the eighth round. Really? Yeah, the ADP, Seriously. the public draft That's on name. Happening. They they love Aaron Rodgers, and it's all on name. That's it. That's all it is. There's, there's, there's nothing left. There's no logic never, in that. No, he'll never return investment on that for what as we're gonna get into the Packers offense actually is. Yeah, the, the Packers offense is aggressively terrible. Uh, my There's one of my favorite stats from last year, Neil, that I liked to repeat over and over again, and I will use this opportunity to repeat it again right now. Aaron Rodgers last season played the full year, all 16 games, and he had 26 touchdowns. 12 of those 26 touchdowns came in three games. Yep. A five touchdown performance against the Raiders, four touchdowns against the Giants, and three against Kansas City. That's it. I I remember all of those games, and I was going to bring that up because those are the games, the three games last year, where the Packers' actual game plan fell flat and failed. So they went to the backup plan, which still is the same as it was under Mike McCarthy. It's just not every week now. Save me, Aaron. Save me. (laughs) Throw it down the field. Throw it down the field. Also, the Chiefs' defense, not great. The Raiders' defense, terrible bad. So what are they going to do? He can still carve you up if you're going to be that bad out there. Like, it's still, it's at some level, it's still going to be a thing. But, no, it's just, it's antithetical to what, under the floor, as we know from his time at the Titans, that the Packers actually want to be. It's not who they are anymore. Yes, and to my point on that, uh, he the other 14 games combined, he had 14 touchdowns. So averaged one touchdown a game. And you might be thinking, oh, well, that's not too terrible. Well, in actuality, uh, those games that I mentioned with him having those huge touchdown totals, uh, week seven, he had a 43.8. Week 80, he had a 27. Week 13, he had a 28. In week four, because of yardage, believe it or not, he actually had a 26. So good for him. He had one decent performance. And every other week, He had pretty much a 14 or worse and underperformed what his projected point total was. So if you were putting him in based on his projection, uh, last season he had four games where he went above it, one game where he hit right on it, and then he had 11 games where he missed it. So that is Aaron Rodgers for you right there. That is the Matt LaFleur QB, baby. And that is why, that is why. You done messed up, A.A. They went out and got Jordan Love. That's why you spend your first round pick on your future quarterback, because Aaron Rodgers looks like a dumpster fire. Ugh. And you can't even blame it on the lack of playmakers. It 
I mean, there are a lack of playmakers. I'll give you that. But Devontae Adams did still play most of the season. You had options and you had opportunity. You were just not good. His completion percentage was atrocious and it wasn't based on drops. It was just based on his inaccuracy. Well, and it also, it, it's it's pretty funny that you mentioned some of that because if he's going to play like that and have the Josh Allen level act, the, the touchdowns, the rushing touchdowns, which Aaron Rodgers doesn't. So it tracks. It's kind of the same thing. Yeah, I mean, the efficiency was there. Four interceptions. So I'll give you that yep. all over. However, like, like I said, it just... He had the opportunities last year. He had 4,002 passing yards and across an entire season, it still wasn't good enough to be relevant. And most of that was built up from three games, which is why it's really difficult to look at total point perspectives. And Neil, we're going to go to running back. <laughs> I'm going to go get a beer. I'm going to give you an option, Aaron Jones, because otherwise I'm just going to go off on a tangent yeah, for about I'm, 45 well, I'm minutes. Gonna you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set it up, and I'll let you just freight train the stats right down ahead. people's throats. Because this is, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the most <laughs> the most overrated thing in the universe. If you want the statistical poster child for touchdown regression, I present to you Aaron Jones. <laughs> Currently, in the expert consensus, RB13, 22 overall. Going in the ADP. RB13, sixth pick of the second round. Steve and I both have him at RB18. On our site, he's RB17 because it's very stubborn people that wouldn't let us put him lower. There is no chance on this earth that Aaron Jones could ever possibly return the number of touchdowns that he returned last year. It is not statistically possible. It is, it is the complete outlier, particularly when you factor in that they added A.J. Dillon. And Jamal Williams didn't suddenly just burst into flames and is no longer there. He is still on that team. There, oh, there's, he didn't adjust your ranks. Right, adjust your ranks because there's. We'll get into what the public thinks of Jamal Williams because it's shocking, and effectively, there's going to have to be a redistribution of the touches here. And what do we know about Matt Lafleur? He loves him some committee. He is Mr. Car Wash. That is his favorite thing. So unless you're telling me that Aaron Jones is going to do something that is statistically proven throughout the NFL to basically be impossible, which is return was it 17 touchdowns he had last year? 19. 19 touchdowns he had last year. I shortchanged him too. So unless you're telling me that he's going to have a second LeGarrette Blunt season, <laughs> there is no chance on this earth that he could ever return RB13, sixth pick of the second round. Draft him there, and you will be in tears by week six when Jamal Williams and A.J. Dillon are on the field and you're screaming at your TV, but why, Matt? But Why? Folks, this is the same guy who couldn't figure out that Derrick Henry was significantly better at football than Deion Lewis. Just, I'm just telling you, it's the same guy. So there's no, you can't apply logic to what Matt LaFleur is going to do. It will burn you every time. You have to just know that he's a psycho who is going to run these guys through irrespective of talent. And unless one of them does something terribly boneheaded, like blows them a game, that's just what it's going to be. And by the way, Packers were a playoff team last year using that system, limiting Rodgers, featuring the running backs. And it's also because the running backs are their best individual skill position players, minus Devontae Adams at this point. Sorry, Lazard. Sorry. But the truth. <laughs> and that and that and that really is the Packers in a nutshell. It's gonna be the running backs have value. You're all drafting Rob. And we'll get into wide receiver and tight end, but tight end's gonna be a real short conversation. Uh and now I will cede the floor to you, my friend, for your Aaron Jones Twitter fueled just utter rant of destruction. <laughs> First of all. I applaud you, America. I applaud you because RB13 means you have him outside the top 12. He's RB2. So you did it. 
you did at least you didn't go full stupid and just have him in the top 10 like so many people did in their initial preseason rankings. So good on you for that. Expert consensus 13. To Neil's point, let's just go through these numbers, okay? So first off, the argument I get all the time, yes, as Neil said, Aaron Jones is far and away, far and away, the most touchdown-dependent running back in football. I mean, that's just a plain and simple fact. Last year, Aaron Jones ranked sixth. There were 50 running backs in the league who had at least 100 touches. And again, when I talk about a fantasy touch, that is a reception or a carry for a running back. So at least 100 touches, Aaron Jones was sixth with 35.8% of his fantasy points, his total fantasy points coming from touchdowns. So even if you think, oh, maybe that's not too bad, the guys ahead of him were Todd Gurley, Jordan Howard, Mark Ingram, Peyton Barber, Derrick Henry. And you might be thinking, oh, well, a, a couple of those guys are good. <laughs> Derrick Henry. Yeah, cool. Ooh, name I know. Those guys are fine. Same parameters. Same 50 running backs with at least 100 touches. On a per-touch basis, the average running back in that group scored a touchdown once every 37.8 touches. Aaron Jones was number one scoring a touchdown once every 15 touches. That means by the time an average running back scored their first touchdown on their 37.8th touch, Aaron Jones had already scored two and a half. That is a ridiculous pace. That is completely unsustainable. You can't possibly think that that would be able to be kept up. And even if, whatever, the argument I get is, oh, he had 19 touchdowns. And if you take 12 away, take 12 away, he'd only have seven. He'd still be a top 10 back. First of all, technically you are correct. If you just took the points away for 12 touchdowns, he still would just barely edge out Mark Ingram. We won't get into the semantics of the fact that you would be giving him all the yardage. He'd have to be tackled at the one and he'd be losing yard. But well, whatever, we won't get into that. The point remains, if you took away just 12 touchdowns, yes, he would still be a top 10 back. What you have to keep in mind is he had seven games last year as an RB1. In those seven games, only three of them did he score one touchdown. The other four games, he scored at least twice. He had three games where he was an RB2. And two of those three games, he scored two touchdowns. He had five games where he was outside of the top 36. Those were his other five games. You want to guess what happened those five games, Neil? He didn't make it in the end zone. I was going to say, he scored two touchdowns. <laughs> five right? games. He scored, he scored two touchdowns, right? That's, that's what five it was? Five okay. games Pretty sure. where he did not score, he was outside of the top 36. So if he ended up in the end zone, he was a usable back for you. But if he didn't, he was hot garbage, to, to be kind about it. 
And then the biggest thing to me is the competition. You talk about Aaron Jones. You have to mention that Jamal Williams was the number two last year without a third back. You had Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, and literally nothing else. No offense to Jimmy Graham, but literally nothing else. Without Jamal Williams on the field, Aaron Jones had 22 carries for 103.5 yards a game with two touchdowns a game. Averaged 32.8 fantasy points per game in those games. When Jamal Williams was on the field, 12.8 carries, 60 yards, 0.9 touchdowns. Then everybody wants to say, okay, well, A.J. Dillon came in. So, yeah, he's going to cut into the carries, but no big deal. He's used so much in the passing game, and they didn't do anything in the passing game, so it doesn't matter, right? <laughs> he gets all the receptions. It don't, it don't matter. He's got the receptions. Without Devontae Adams on the field, Aaron Jones, 6.8 targets per game, 5.5 receptions for 70 yards, 0.75 touchdowns per game, 29.3 fantasy points per game. Huge usage in the four games that Devontae Adams missed. What did he do when Devontae Adams was playing? 2.2 receptions a game on three targets for 16 yards and 16 fantasy points. When Devontae Adams missed time, he was averaging 29.3 fantasy points. When Devontae Adams played, he was averaging 16 yards. <laughs> yards. When all three players were on the field, Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, and Jamal Williams, when they all were active and in the lineup, Aaron Jones had 13 rushes a game for 61.3 yards, three targets for 2.2 receptions, 13.7 receiving yards. And for those of you who follow a lot of numbers, you're trying to do the math and keep up, but you can't, let me do it for you. That's 15.2 touches per game for 75 total yards of offense. And he still averaged 16.5 fantasy points a game, which would be RB10. That's pretty great, right? That's pretty solid. I mean, how could he do that with, oh, that's right, 1.1 touchdowns a game! Over a touchdown a game. Do not try to tell me he is not a touchdown dependent play when he literally needs the touchdowns to survive. The pace he was on last year, natural balanced regression. Again, he had a touchdown every 15 carries or every 15 touches and the league average was 37 and a half. Right in between would be 26.4. So a touchdown every 26.4 touches. If he had literally the same involvement, so assuming that A.J. Dillon just cuts into Jamal Williams or just doesn't do anything, I don't care, does nothing, and he has the same involvement in the passing game, so Devontae Adams plays the whole season, and they don't change the passing scheme at all. Plays the same role that he had last year, the season that everybody's hyping up that he did so great. That would project on a 16-game pace to 243.2 touches and nine total touchdowns, which would drop him to 13.5 fantasy points a game, and that would have been RB22 just ahead of James White last season. 
So to have him going anywhere near the top 10 is completely ludicrous. The fact that you at least were able to keep him out of the top 12, I will give you a little bit of credit, America. I appreciate that. I appreciate you being a little bit woke and looking at the numbers slightly. But even in our projections, I even projected him a little bit higher for targets, gave him a little bit better, gave him an extra touchdown, bumped him up to 10, put a little cherry on top for you, still came in at running back 18. So I don't see how you could possibly have him higher than that. He is the Tyreek Hill of running backs, and I need to lay down. <laughs> no, you got through all of it incredibly well. No, there you go, America. There you go. You did it temporarily, but we're watching. We're paying attention because 13 is still too high because there's no way on this universe that he's going to be able to return that and bring in A.J. Dillon and Jamal Williams here as well a little bit, particularly with the addition of A.J. Dillon. So, I mean, you're talking about Dillon at RB57 in the ECR, talking about he's being drafted right there, RB55, fifth pick of the 12th round uh, in ADP. On our site, we have him at RB63, which is 211 overall. I've got him at 76, running back 272. Well, Steve's got him at 77, 273 overall. And I can tell you, I think the logic is the same for both of us. So obviously I'll let Steve give his own opinion. But the <clears throat> rationale here is probably would have had him a little bit higher if there wasn't three of them and also the complete cancellation. Yeah, if there was of any kind of any kind of preseason, if there was any kind of offseason. But the, all the preseason games being canceled and training camp being done effectively virtually really makes it so that he's going to probably have a slow start. Otherwise, I would be much more interested because he is undoubtedly going to cut into Aaron Jones at some point here throughout the season. There's no way that that's not going to happen. They're too invested in him. And like I said before, Jamal Williams, RB55 in the ECR, being drafted at RB64 in ADP, sixth pick of the 14th round. He's 51 on our site. I've got him at RB38, 110 overall. You've got him at 39, 112 overall. I don't understand what I'm missing. People are so wrapped up in this Aaron Jones narrative of him being the sun, the moon, and the stars at RB13 that they just seem to be done with Jamal Williams. They're just completely discounting his involvement in the offense also because of the addition of A.J. Dillon. But that's not what they do under LaFleur. It's, yeah. it's a, he, I think it's a miscast a of the narrative. Yeah. Well, it's also Jamal Williams is so active in the passing game. Exactly. That, that's the that's yeah. the other one for Aaron Jones, tempering your expectations there. You're effectively saying with that Aaron Jones draft pick and ranking that you're you're just convinced that Jamal Williams is going to get hurt again, I think, because that's not that's not strictly speaking correct, because when he's out there, he is the primary pass catching option. He gets the third down work and the hurry up work, Aaron Jones still because he's an excellent pass catcher. It's the hallmark of Jamal Williams game. Yeah, in so our projections, Jamal Williams comes in at running back 36. So, I mean, it's not crazy to say that I've got him at 39, which is a little conservative compared to projection, and you've got him at 38. So I think that's, uh, I think. It's functionally right on with the projection. Spot on. So <laughs> Yeah, absolutely that. So No, I think the biggest thing is, to your point, we're higher on Jamal Williams. It's the idea that people seem to believe that Aaron Jones is uncontested when it comes to the pass catching game, and that's simply not true. Again, we're not that far off, right? We have Aaron Jones at 18, whereas the site has him 17. Expert consensus is 13. ADP is 13. But again, it's all perspective. We have him RB18, but at 42 overall. 
So you're talking about the back end of the fourth round. He's going at pick six you, of the Which second. is when you should be getting your RB2, by the way. So, folks. Yes. The, the problem is, uh, the best thing I can do is compare, make a comparison, right? And the comparison for me is Tyree Kill. And this is not something that I say very often. But if you're giving me the choice, I'd rather have Tyreek Hill than Aaron Jones. I'm sorry, I would. But Tyreek Hill, as a wide receiver in a standard PPR league, you're playing three wideouts plus a flex, which should be a wide receiver in a PPR league. So you're playing four wideouts on a weekly basis. With how deep wide receiver is, even if I reach on Tyreek Hill a little bit early, which I wouldn't advise, but even if I do, I can find wide receivers in the... We just talked about Allen Robinson in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth round wide receivers that I really love and are going to get me consistent numbers that I can play in my three wide receiver slots and then play Tyreek Hill as my flex so that if he gives me nothing, at least I have my consistent guys and I still have a chance to win. But if he booms, then I guarantee I win my week. If you pull that stunt in running back when you're only playing two a week, and you're guaranteeing one of those spots to Aaron Jones, when as I laid out last year, there was eight of his 15 fantasy regular season games where he was a running back two or worse. He boomed because of the touchdowns, and eight times over half of the games in the fantasy football season last year, he disappointed you if he was in your starting lineup. So if you're counting on Aaron Jones on a weekly basis with your second round pick, you are going to be disappointed. You, the only way that that makes sense is if he's your RB2, and the only way he's your RB2 at that price is if you're you know, pairing him with someone like a Nick Chubb or a Josh Jacobs or someone you get in the top 10 and you go running back, running back early. Which you could do, but it's such a gross overpayment for Aaron Jones at that point that it would make more sense to, to try. Yeah, and what have I said for years, Neil? For- RB2 is the least. Yeah, RB2 uh, is the most overrated the position in, in yeah. fantasy football. Yeah, and so it's you don't really need to go RB2 there. The reason that you would go RB2 there is I'd be looking for something I'd be looking for something a little bit more stable, if you will, if I was going to go that direction yeah. with my team. I, I would I wouldn't want something that's as touchdown dependent as Aaron Jones because there's too much of a bust chance to your point. Whereas if I could, for example, people seem to hate Todd Gurley. So if Todd Gurley was there as my I'd much rather do that. Because it's so much more consistent if I was actually going to go with the running back, running back strategy, which to be honest with you, it would depend on how the board fell to you. So we can't talk about every exact scenario, but you're taking an extreme risk. And what do we also say every year, Steve? You can't win your draft in the first couple rounds, but you can sure as hell lose. Yep. You can lose the first couple rounds. And that's, and this is a, this is a great way to do it. Yeah. And and we'll move on here. Wide receiver. There's not a ton to talk about. Devontae Adams, top three pick. For wide receivers, I mean, that's a slam dunk. He should be taken in the first round of every draft. Um, And he is being. being. Yeah. And uh, the next up now is Alan Lazard. Again, I I already mentioned it. They signed Funchess, but he's opted out. So now you've got Lazard, Kumaro, MVS, Equinemius, St. Brown. It's the same cast of characters they had last year. Jay Sternberger is the incumbent who took over the job from Jimmy Graham near the end of last season, and they liked him so much they cut Jimmy Graham in the offseason. Uh, they still have the ghost of Mercedes Lewis playing tight end as well. But you know, Sternberger is a guy who's gotten some hype in Dynasty. But again, tell me the last time we had a relevant Packers tight end. You're talking about the Brett Favre era. 
So, right. uh, I mean, that's not Jimmy something... Graham for three games yeah, like right. two years ago. It's yeah, not something, something like I'm that. interested in. Three games. No, so, it's not something I want either. Uh, outside of Adams, Lazard is the next guy up. I've got him at wide receiver 46 because I've updated our projections and my site rankings um, based on the Funchess news. And again, it's mainly a, a function of I've seen the other guys play and I know Lazard is going to be the one who's on the field the most. He seemed to have the the biggest connection with Aaron Rodgers the second half of the season, so I feel like he's still going to get utilized. And in that same area, the back end of the 40s, high-end 50s, is basically when I have clumped up all of my my rookies that are going to take some time to adjust. My, my C.D. Lamb, Jerry Judy, uh, Jalen Rager, all of those guys are right in that range. So, I mean, yeah, Lazard just takes a notch slightly ahead of them because of the fact he has the familiarity with the offense and his quarterback has a familiarity with him. And that's all fair. So in mine, he'll, he will be coming up. I think he'll be coming up in the ECR as well to be, I think he's going to come up across the board. Yeah. I think there's just, I don't think as an industry, people, we're just a little ahead of it. Yeah. Right and, all, and also an ADP because right now he's going in the 14th round as wide receiver 62, six pick. And that's not going to stay there because as we know, people always, always every single year, we talk about this. People always overvalue the second wide receiver and other kind of ancillary wide receivers in Green Bay because, again, these are the same people that are drafting Aaron Rodgers at QB9 because it's 2009 right. or like 2007. Or and so that's the problem for me with Lazard. 46 is probably about right. I bet he goes higher. That Because of, to your point, he has the familiarity with Rodgers. And my big cold water on Lazard is, well, frankly, he got some some run last year. And he was out there quite a bit. And he definitely made a couple big plays. And he seemed to be earning the trust of Rodgers. But to be honest with you, he wasn't good. He wasn't a polished route runner. He didn't seem to – it seemed to take him a while to get his legs out from under him. And also, he had some bad drops. The ball could have been thrown a little bit more accurately by Rodgers. But Lazard, Lazard has a way to go with his game. He's not, he's not like a – he's not your he's, – he's a cut above Geronimo Allison and MVS, as he proved last year. And at least we don't have to have that conversation again. But he's not going to be anybody who I think threatens the top 30, right? Given the Rodgers. But my, right. my thought is he's probably going to yeah. end Last up there. Last year, MVS and, done with and Geronimo Allison were beating him out the first half of the season for starts. Uh, he had three starts all season, and they were all at the end of the year. But he had a total of 52 targets. Um, again, Devontae Adams in 12 games, so he missed four, had 127. So right. he's going to dominate the targets as usual. But again, in undisputed yeah. 16 games for each of MVS, Geronimo Allison and Alan Lazard, MVS had 56, Allison had 55 and he's gone. And Alan Lazard had 52. So I have Lazard projected at 83 targets, absorbing some of that Allison. And I have the rest of Allison's targets actually going to Adams, assuming he plays the rest of the season. So. I mean, that's just kind of how it broke out. I think Kumaro ends up beating out MVS to be the number three. I think we've seen enough of MVS at this point to know he's not very good. Um, yep. The biggest problem, like I said, Lazard had the least amount of those of those three, MVS, Geronimo Ellison, and Alan Lazard. He had the least amount of targets, but the most amount of catches. He, he had the least amount of drops. He had the highest catch percentage at 67.3%. Um, at a low drop rate. Again, he he was an average depth of target of 14.24 yards, so he was their deep threat. He's got upside. I can absolutely see it. 
it, it's going to be undoubtedly Devontae my point is people Adams. are going to overpay. Yeah, They're going to overpay. overpay for for sure. They're going to overpay for it. And it's, and it's because he's going to be playing with Rogers and it's just this, or it's, there's no way that Lazard, it, that's fair. It might've been a little too critical because 67% is not horrible, but it's also, it's also the idea that with Lazard, you have to kind of, you have to kind of bake in the idea that, he only played like three or four like really meaningful games where he was the starter that should go back to the beginning of this conversation. He's still basically a rookie, which is why I, I agree with you when you say you chose men with that group, because he basically is going to start off like a yeah, rookie, I but he's just think, a, a notch ahead for me. And that's it. Yeah. Slight notch. And, and it's a, uh, it's, I, I just, I, like I said, I really worry that people are going to get on the Lazard hype train, the Funchess news, and he's going to end up going in like the back end of the thirties. And I think that's an egregious overpayment, but we see it every year with the Packers second wide receiver. All right. And the Packers defense is not good. I wouldn't recommend them, but they're going in the right territory, which is undrafted. So let's take a quick break and we will, uh, move on to the horn. Oh, I missed that. All right, Neil, Minnesota. There's not a lot of teams out there who like to throw the ball less than Minnesota. In fact, I can name them on one hand. Well, actually, I could name them if I had no hands because they were 32nd in the league in passing plays last year. <laughs> At 503 designed pass plays. Is Kirk Cousins good? Dead last. Is that, I, don't, I don't know. Dead last. <laughs> you like that? You like that? Uh, passing touchdowns, though, they were 26, 14th. So there you go. So they didn't throw the ball a lot, but they got in the end zone a bunch. They, they threw there it when they got go. to the red zone. Uh, they lost eight. You heard me right. Eight key pieces on their defense this offseason because they were right up against the cap at the end of last year. The, they made one free agent signing on the defense. It was D-tackle Michael Pierce. They also made a few secondary upgrades in the draft, but that was it. And again, we're talking about young guys who are trying to adjust in a shortened offseason. Offensively, they traded Stefan Diggs to Buffalo, as we talked about a few weeks ago. And the fallout of that was them then taking Justin Jefferson in the first round of the draft to try and fill that void. So it's that guy, Kirk Cousins, expert consensus QB 21, 22 on our site. I've got him 25. You like that? You like You've got that? him at 21. ADP is 22. We're all right in that range. The standard deviation is huge almost two full rounds and that's people basically reaching on Kirk a little bit later as their number two, because maybe there's upside, I guess if they decide to throw the ball more, the, the upside, oh, I is, thought it would be more like floor. The upside I I think, like for me floor. is the idea. Like I said, they lost all those pieces on defense. If they just suck, if they're just <laughs> terrible and they have to throw the ball a ton and he goes back to being Kirk cousins of the Washington football team, the DC Rivera's if that if that's the guy that we're talking about then yeah Kirk Cousins was absolutely fantasy relevant in, in those days but since he's been in Minnesota not so much no and to your point league <laughs> last in the league in pass attempt so it's a, it's a question of scheme and hey if I had Dalvin Cook maybe I'd run the ball more too but it's one of those situations right so yeah it's funny because I thought it would be more like floor Maybe if I went with a riskier type of QB1 type of deal, more of an upside type of play, maybe I go with Kirk Cousins. Or maybe you get somebody, you kind of punt the QB position, and at that, and that's kind of where you would end up taking him, kind of as like a safety guy. Because you know, 
realistically that he's probably not going to have that upside, I wouldn't think. But at the same time, he's probably not going to totally kill you because they did throw a fair amount of touchdowns. Yeah. So they do seem to like to throw. And I'm not expecting much different from them, candidly, with the departure of Stefan Diggs on offense. I think it's a next man up situation. They're pretty much going to run the same one. Yeah. But I think it's not going to be that from what we're saying here, QB two at best, take a yeah. shot late if you want, but not, no. yeah, not something you want to, not something you want. Don't be going in there. Like I'm going to get Kirk Cousins and dominate. Yeah. That's not happening. Uh, that's, that's those days are long over. Uh, Dalvin cook is the next guy up here. He did report to camp yesterday, despite rumors that he could be holding out for a new contract. He is RB5 in the expert consensus, 5 on our site, 5 for me, 5 for you, 5 in the ADP. I've seen people dropping him to 7 or 8. I've seen him in mocks going as late as the end of the first or even into the second round. If you see that happen, scoop him up. People want to be dumb. Go ahead and feast on it. Enjoy. It's yeah. all yours. And to be, yeah, to be fair, I don't think he's actually going to hold out. So, no. Unless the way that they change. built the new CBA, it really prohibits you from holding out you really get punished for holding out because again unlike the Le'Veon Bell situation or the Melvin Gordon situation if you sit out for any extended period of time then your contract year doesn't count and they just roll it over to another year and they can fine you and take the money you already have and keep you on that rookie deal next season and then force you to go to free agency a year later than you wanted to so there's really not a big advantage to you holding out anymore so hopefully that's the end of holdouts that'd be nice i i think it probably will be based on how they how they laid all that out because i think that was very very much deliberate i think that the league knows the owners know i should say it's a bad look you know to have one of your star players holding on it makes them look bad and also it's detrimental to the football team you know you're going in there with a plan to have this guy and it's that, that we'll, we'll have to see how that plays out i don't know if anybody's going to be have the the fortitude to hold out. You know what I mean? You would really have to be committed to holding out to take all those penalties and for it to actually make, you would need to be like an established player, right? Yeah. Nobody who's young is going to do that because they don't have the financial security yet. And if you're an older person playing running back, you probably can't take the risk anymore because when's your next contract going to come given how the league seems to be right. evaluating running back at this point. So yeah, you're, you're probably right. That is probably the end of the holdout era of, Football. Well, the next man up is Alexander Madison, and everybody seems to believe that if he's ever given the job, he could be a top 20 back all on his own. Uh, while that's still up in the air and yet to be seen, I do agree that if you own Dalvin Cook, Alexander Madison is absolutely a must own. The public feels that way as well. Uh, expert consensus, he's at 46, 50 on our site, 52 for me, 54 for you, and 42 in ADP. So he's going in the back end of the eighth round. That's the one danger in taking Dalvin cook is if you want the handcuff in Madison, you really have to pay for it. You're basically sacrificing a first round pick and an eighth round pick in order to own Dalvin cook. But for me, if I can get cook and Madison and just own the entire Minnesota backfield, I feel really, really good about it. He is probably, if he's not the most important, he's probably certainly top three in terms of handcuffs. Cause there's not that many handcuffs you absolutely like have. And to Jack Cavanaugh's point who writes for us, uh, he's always talking about the idea that no, you probably want to go and get other people's handcuffs rather than getting your own handcuffs, depending on who you have. And this is one of the few that I would tell him, no, 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 no. I, I, I line up with you where I'm saying, no, it's, if I can get, if I have to, if it takes a one and an eight for me to get all the Vikings backfield, then it's probably worth it given how much they run the football. 
30 seconds. Well, yeah, to Jack's point, though, he's kind of saying that if you're in the eighth round and you don't own Dalvin Cook, it's still worth taking him. That's fair. Because you have the upside to have a top 20 back if Cook holds out or gets hurt. And you have the leverage. And you have the leverage leverage. to trade pick over the Dalvin Cook owner. That is his whole theory, and I co-sign on that entirely. Uh, But other than that, not much you want to own. Remember when Mike Boone was a thing? Oh, that was great. That one week. That was fantastic. I love being right about that. Uh, Wide receiver. everybody. Oh, yeah. Hey, not everybody. Two thumbs at this guy. Uh, Adam Thielen. The darling of the offseason. With Diggs gone, it's his job, right? Wide receiver 14 in the consensus. Wide receiver not. Hold on. That's got to be a typo. That can't be right. Wide receiver nine in the ADP. What? Oh, my God. Okay. No, that sounds about so right. This, People's irrational This is an ADP, I think, from Colorado because there's somebody was smoking something. No, you can't, you can't pin that on us. That's, no, that's, from, that's from been Chicago. Done. Uh, okay, uh, that's that's from right. Chicago. Right. Yeah, they got, yeah, they got yeah, a legal yeah, there. There you now. go. That's fine. Uh, okay, I'll take that. Uh, uh, wide not, receiver twenty one on our site, twenty six from me, nineteen from you. And I feel and I feel dirty having him at nineteen. To be honest, that's uh, even that's a bit rich for my blood. I'm getting a little generous with adjusting his projection just based on the idea that I had to give him a little more with Justin Jefferson probably having his development slowed. Ola BC Johnson probably having his development show slowed because of the aforementioned canceled preseason and no training camp originally didn't i had him more in line with you guys to be honest because what have we seen from adam thielen apart from that one breakout he had he was electric for what three quarters of one season got hurt hasn't ever really been able to recapture that magic sense and is also now as a bonus someone i'm concerned about getting hurt in the future especially when he's going to be asked to now do literal everything as justin jefferson and all of dc johnson learn how to play pro football because the only other person in that wide receiver room is tajay sharp yeah we've seen that movie how many times tajay sharp no thank you it's not something i'm certainly not something i'm going to count on so it is now adam thielen and only adam thielen and so i bumped him up a little bit based on the regression that i had to build in for the rookies and i still couldn't get to 14 which i feel is an egregious reach nine is right out i, I don't even so, the, i don't uh, even target understand. wise we have him at 109 in our projections uh 83 for justin jefferson 45 for ola bc johnson which you got to remember last year they had 503 designed passing plays i bumped them all the way up in our projection to 571 which would be 29th that's how horribly last they were is I added almost 70 full passing plays, and they only moved up three spots in the league standings. But even then, last year, they were 503 passing plays, and only 47.4% of their pass attempts went to wide receivers. 28.6% went to running backs. Remember for that brief moment in history when Dalvin Cook was being talked about as the number two running back? ahead of Saquon, ahead of Alvin Kamara, just behind Christian McCaffrey. And now he's going in the second round because of a potential holdout. Oh, oh, the off season. (laughs) But uh, again, last year with Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen, both in the lineup, they threw to wide receivers on only 47.4% of their targets. I raised that amount up to 53.9%. So again, I'm being generous with the amount of passing plays that I've given them in the projections. I'm being generous with the amount of target uh, percentage going towards wide receivers in general. And even then, 
I only landed 109 targets for Adam Thielen, and given his career numbers in production, that puts him in wide receiver 19. That That's kind of the, the ceiling that I have for him. And I put him down at 26 in my rankings just because, like I said, I'm building in a lot of upside there. I'm building in a lot of, you know, adding more targets, adding more pass plays in general to the whole offense that they're going to be more efficient somehow. So I feel like I'm going to be a little more conservative than what I actually projected them out to be, which is why I got them at 26. I have Justin Jefferson right in line with where our projection is. I have him at 55 and so do you. He's 51 in the expert consensus and 47 in the ADP. We're all in line with Ola BC Johnson. But again, if Jefferson is slowed down, then BC Johnson is the guy who's the next man up and is going to get involved. Maybe Thielen gets a little more involved at the beginning of the season, but on pure talent alone, at some point, Justin Jefferson is going to emerge as the wide receiver one on this team. And by the second half of the fantasy season, I think he's going to be the Vikings wide receiver you want to own. Which is crazy because in reality, keep in mind, there really only is room for one really relevant wide receiver with Minnesota, right? Because in some universe where they split it up evenly, what would the, you know, that's, that's been the thought experiment that I've been going through. What would that even look like? If you had to actually split it between Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson, right? If they actually got some sort of even amount of targets and they actually changed their scheme a little bit, there's not enough, there's not enough going on here to support realistically two full-fledged, you know, wide receivers at this point. So it's kind of going to end up being one or the other. And that's kind of been my my thought process. Thielen is pretty far ahead of him. But if he, if Thielen was ever to get hurt, I think there's really only room for one guy to him. Would you agree? Oh, no. Yeah, you're right. For sure. Yeah. That, so realistically, there's only one. The Vikings are easy in this way. There's only really going to be one wide receiver that is going to have any value. And that, and it, for me, that guy's Thielen. I've actually got him basically to return the full projection that you mentioned. Yeah. Because by hooker, by crook, that's the thing that I think is most likely to happen. And believe me. I've got Justin Jefferson ranked the same way as you and the same way as the experts. There is absolutely a non-zero chance that by the end of the year that he is, in fact, the new Adam Thielen. Right. He's the one. And there's there's any number of ways that that could happen. Dark Horse, Olavizzi, Johnson, don't worry about Tajay Sharp. Uh, The Kyle Rudolph days are over, Neil. Calling it right now. You called this last season. Called it last season, and I was mostly right. I'll call it now. Uh, So Kyle Rudolph, toast. Expert consensus, 26. Washed washed 20 uh 31 in our site 33 for me 30 you undrafted in adp the guy is irv smith the problem with irv smith is kyle rudolph at the beginning of the year at least kyle rudolph will be the starter again we have in our projections irv smith leading the tight ends with 65 targets and 52 receptions however kyle rudolph still getting 46 targets so 116 targets is a good share for just that, you know, tight end position for just that tight end position uh, as a whole. And in fact, if you ever gave that whole 116 targets to just one player, if you gave it to just Irv Smith, for example, he'd be a top 10 tight end. The problem is Kyle Rudolph is there. They'll split the job for at least this year, and then they can let Kyle Rudolph go bye-bye. And it's the Irv Smith show for sure. But I think we're a year away still from Irv Smith being the full-fledged guy. But again, this is another one where second half of the season, Irv Smith should be dominating targets, should be a guy you want to own, someone you can grab off of waivers and profit later on. And in Dynasty, somebody I'm scooping up with every chance I get. 
Yeah, because even in Dynasty, he's going pretty cheap, which I think is a misstep. And it's because tight end is so unpredictable. And, of course, we say this, and Kyle Rudolph will get all of his 40 receptions. Right, sure, but they'll, all be in the, they'll all be in the red zone. Yeah, they'll all be in the end zone. That's, that's how that'll work. That'll all be for scores. That is how that will work. And then he'll – but, yeah, Kyle Rudolph is on his way out. I think we all agree on that. It's uh, at the site and you and I. Yep. This, this is going to be the emergence of Herb Smith this season. And what it will be interesting about that, as you pointed out, is actually 2021. Can't wait to get to 2021 to see what Herb Smith will be capable of when it's just him. Because tight end, as we know, is desperately always seeking talent. So one more guy who could make the top 10 would always be welcome. And then you've got the Vikings defense, eight in consensus, nine on the site, 10 in ADP, 13 for you. I've got him at 19. Like I said, a lot of guys that they lost. Mike Zimmer defenses always tend to be good. However, you've got the Bears who look to be resurgent. Uh, Again, like I said, the, the passing game. You've got Matt Stafford back. You've got the Packers again. There's going to be a lot of shootouts in this ugly division. There's going to be a lot of horrible games that I don't want to well, watch. To your point, you've got, you've got one decent defense in the Bears. I say decent defense. Yeah. You've got the Packers defense that's probably going to be terrible. You've got yes. the Lions defense, which is probably going to be terrible and historically is terrible. And then you've got the Vikings, who lost eight starters. Yeah. Not starters, but eight so, key players. But eight, eight key and, players. And, and that's why enough I, I didn't players that they're relying on rookies in key roles. And again, they didn't even have the money to replace everybody that they needed to. They're talking about backups stepping up into starting roles now. So, and we'll also keep repeating. If you're relying on rookies, you're going to struggle at the start of the season harder than everyone is going to struggle because you're going to be, you're going to be trying to groove guys in, in real time Sundays into their actual football shape. So I think first few, first few games of the season are going to be direct, right? But again, this is one of those things where if you want to do your own math and projections, that's fine. But the math just needs to make sense, people. If you want to tell me that Kirk Cousins is going to have a decent season throwing the football and that Adam Thielen can be a top 10 wide receiver because of it, and Justin Jefferson will be a top 50 wide receiver because they're going to throw the ball so much and everybody's going to get so involved and this offense is going to do so many things. But at the same time, the defense is going to be spectacular. You can't have it both ways. It's very rarely while projecting there a situation. Dalvin Cook to return, yeah. while projecting Dalvin Cook to hit his numbers from last year. Very rarely are you going to be able to have a situation where a defense is really good and the offense is still putting up huge stats. Doesn't typically work that way. So, yeah, if if I'm saying one shoe is going to drop, the one for me is the uh, Vikings defense. And uh, yeah, you can get them in the 14th round, but again. It's not the 16th round, so I'm not interested. Yeah, no, and it, and anybody who's looking at who's looking at the Vikings defense in the 14th round is going to be sorely disappointed when they cut them after Week One to go pick up somebody off waivers. So why save yourself the headache? Just wait until the 16th round, pick up whatever's there, and then play the matchups if you have to. But that wraps up the NFC North. We will be talking about the NFC East next week. Got some hot takes for that one, Neil. Uh, Neil, social media, what do you got? You can find me on Twitter, as always, and the Fantasy Life app at nonsense, uh, nonsense underscore Neil. And in terms of final thoughts, put some respect on Marvin Jones' name. Put some respect on it. 38? Yes, finally. 38, America? 38, really? Like, I know you guys typically just follow the experts, and I'm here to tell you, the disrespect that is happening to Marvin Jones. Check out Aiden Ware's piece that we posted, uh, the full in-depth uh, Marvin Jones player profile. 
educate yourselves, okay? Because you're looking silly right now. You're, you're embarrassing yourselves, okay? Just stop it. Stop it with that. That's completely untenable. Uh, very well said. You can follow the site on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at NonsenseFF. You can follow us in the important nonsense community on the Fantasy Life app, like Neil mentioned. Make sure you're subscribing to the pod wherever you listen and give us a five-star review. And you can follow me everywhere at Nonsense underscore Steve. So until next week, just make sure you keep up the nonsense. Music for this podcast is provided by Lee Rosevier. I'm Tim Kitzer from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz, and you can find all the guys at importantnonsense.com. Kaboom!